0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca.
1: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for any brand in your office?
0: Yeah, Digitex does that.
1: D-I-G-I-T-E-X.ca.
2: On Oilers Radio, 630 chat. Bob Stoffer joining you from Raleigh, North Carolina. This is Oilers Now. Stoffer Inspector coming up in thirty-eight seconds time. Stoffer Inspector brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live racing begins May 5th at Northlands Park. I'll tell you that some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. A reminder, every Wednesday is date night at Roos Chris where two can dine for $120. Well, I'm down in Raleigh. And Mark Spector is back at the studio in Edmonton, and he is attired in a glorious jersey today. Speck, tell me about it.
1: Got the got the old white uh, Bobby Orr Bruins jersey. Bob, it's one of the finest jerseys in the history of sport. Have to say, if I don't uh, say so myself, I was always a big Bobby Orr fan growing up. How about you? Well,
2: well was he your favorite player growing up?
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm a '65 born, so in '70 I was just starting to kind of sit in front of a TV for a couple periods of hockey, sort of thing, and that's when Bobby Orr became great. It didn't last long, right? We didn't have Bobby Orr at the top of the league for very long after that. Uh, I don't remember him playing in the '60s with a brush cut. I remember him, you know, when he when he was. Um, I mean, they didn't. Right? He didn't play in the '72 series already because of knee problems. Is that correct?
2: Yes, uh, that's correct.
1: Yeah. So and by then, that was sort of, the sadly, the beginning of the end for Bobby. But uh, I'm one of those 65-born guys who were number four in baseball and number four in every other sport my whole life uh, because of one man, Robert gordon Orr.
2: I uh, almost begrudgingly admit now, uh, for me, it was Dave Keon, then Yvonne Cornoyer, and then eventually Guy Lafleur. And then Mark Messier. Now, ironically, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I loved how Messier played. So I wore either ten or eleven. And as you know, I tried to master the art of, of lifting that uh, the one leg up, shooting off the wing, coming down on a defenseman, and often regularly hit former TSN uh, local reporter Ken. <laughs> Chilibeck, who uh, he backed in more than Chris Russell did, so he was an easy target to drill off the instep, and you know how much Ken used to love that, but I was definitely you're <laughs> laughing because you can remember it.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: but but I was definitely a uh, Gilles Fleur guy, and uh, I had I immense respect for Bobby Orr. People talk about the 1972 series. We all know what Bobby Clark did to Valerie Harlamov. But in fairness, you know, I I don't think people realize the potential impact of not having Bobby Orr at that time because I don't know if the Russians, when you hear Mike Babcock spec say, you know, and, and this is exactly how Mike would say it, only seen one other player ever. One other player ever that's on a level that everybody else isn't at, and that can skate like that, and that's uh, that's Bobby Orr. I mean, that is how he said it when he was talking about Connor McDavid. And so, do you think maybe the seventy-two series would have been different had uh, Bobby Orr been playing for Team Canada? Well,
1: it's an excellent question, right? I mean, you're taking their not only, you know, as good a player as they had their best player. I'm not sure, maybe. Uh, he was certainly in 1972, September of 72, he would have been, frankly, the best player in the National Hockey League. So, yeah, you know, you took the best player off their team. Uh, who also controlled the puck, controlled the play, who played the game like the Russians played it, frankly. You know, who didn't dump a puck in, right? Who who gracefully skated through three zones and had the puck still on that little skinny strip of tape on his, uh, I think he used a Victoriaville, as I recall. But uh, yeah, had not having Bobby hurt, and you know what? It's just a shame. Bobby, Bobby had a relatively short career, and it's it's very sad because uh, you know we say what you want. I mean, Wayne Gretzky was a great player, and he played for you know many, many, many years. We got a lot of time out of Mario Lemieux. Cancer interrupted, came back, was maybe even better. Uh, we're sure hoping to see Connor McDavid for 15 years in this league and uh, Bobby's you know Bobby attained greatness in a very small amount of games relatively speaking and that's how good he was to be named with those guys having played as little as he did
2: is there a comparable with Connor with that speed when you watch Bobby Orr's highlights, it's and it's a completely different game. You had guys that couldn't turn both ways. You had scrawny little goalies. Those are the guys that Gretzky lit up. You know, Gretzky would fake going one way and shoot back on a guy and beat him. I mean, Darren Pang played in the NHL. He was a, a tiny little fellow. Um, you know, now you got guys like Pecorini. And, uh, you know, you have all these goaltenders of lots of – but it, it is a different game. But that said – is there a comparable between Bobby Orr's current client, Connor McDavid, and that separation and that burst that he has and today's other players?
1: Well, I think that's really the only way to measure great players across the eras, you know, because it's how much they excel among their peers at that time. I mean, it's very difficult to compare the league that Drew Dowdy's trying to be a puck-rushing defenseman in uh, with the league that Bobby Orr was a puck rushing defenseman, and I mean, the game has just absolutely changed. But I'll tell you, uh, that's what guys say about Connor. The same thing, uh, Babcock said, was compared to their peers. Bob Orr was so, so far and away the best skater. Uh, you know, back when he played, I mean, just nobody could skate with him. Nobody skated like him. He was just far, far superior, head and shoulders above the crowd. And now we segue to Conor McDavid, who I think meets the same criteria. Is is the gap as big between he and, you know, name the next fastest guy in the league? Uh, I don't think the gap's as big as it was. But certainly, you know, it's been a long time since we've ever seen a guy who has that separation over the rest of the pack when it comes to skating that, that McDavid has.
2: The one thing I will say about Orr, as I recall, I mean, he got hip-checked by the likes of Rosier Paymont and would fight him. I think he had, and, and guys were different too, and the game was, I mean, these Bobby Orr played for the big, bad Bruins. They were the laughing stock in the 50s and in the early 60s, but they were not a team you could push around. Of course, they'd go on to win the 1970 and 72 Cup, and their best team, Mark, Did not win, and that was the uh, 70-71 team that Ken Dryden upset in the opening round of the playoffs that year. That's the year Boston set all the scoring records that Gretzky's Oilers in 83-84 subsequently destroyed as a team, and Gretzky personally destroyed in 81-82. But where I'm going with this is, you know, it really was a—we always talk about being a different time, but Bobby Orr fought— you know, six to eight times a year in the NHL. It was not uncommon to see him uh, go after guys and, but that was just part of the byproduct of how the game was played at that time but he did have I don't know if he was quite as emotionally even keeled as Connor McDavid I'm wondering if Bobby Orr played a part in that as his agent Mark
1: well, that's an excellent. It's an it's an interesting relationship, right? Because of course, uh, you know, I don't think Bob Yor is is phoning Connor McDavid every night and saying, "Okay, here's how I handled this back in 1967." Uh, I'm sure that's not going on. But, you know, I would think that there have been times when Connor McDavid has said, Mr. Orr, what do you think about this? Or, Bobby, what do you think about that? You know, Bobby did go through this at a completely different time with way less media and way less TV and, frankly, probably less pressure. Uh, but he did go through what Connor's going through now, and now it's kind of cool, right? One's the agent, one's the player. And, you know, I think... I think we can lean on what Wayne Gretzky has said. He's not running around telling Connor McDavid how to handle himself either. But every once in a while, they're having a coffee in the morning when Gretz is with the team and Connor has a question and Gretz has an answer. And uh, it's probably a pretty good relationship to have, right? When you're Connor McDavid.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Any other jerseys that you have, spec besides the Latvian national hockey team?
1: No, I do have that Latvian jersey, which I'm quite proud to wear. Uh, I got an awesome California Golden Seals sweater. I like to wear on the outdoor rink. And, uh, of course, a couple of Cubs jerseys and uh, an old Mark LaForge Cape Breton Oilers jersey somewhere back in the closet, Bob. Well,
2: Mark LaForge was an interesting (laughs) character. Uh, He was once involved in a Lion Brawl where he went around and sucker-punched guys. He had a nasty spirit. I believe his nephew would be Bill LaForge Jr., who, the last I heard, uh, was the... Scout for the Everett Silvertips. I know. I think he's based in Edmonton. Somebody might text us at six thirty, six thirty to correct me. Uh, I do have one Golden Bears jersey. It belongs to Brad Tuchuk, uh, and in two thousand and six, after the Golden Bears had won. Uh, geez, that was uh, like four national championships ago, but uh, they'd won the national title second in back-to-back years. You'd remember that. You and me were doing a show at a different time in a different place, but uh, that was at Rexall Place against Lakehead, year after they won against Saskatchewan. Uh, I took the two-check jersey after that 06 uh, championship and went down to Chicago with uh, Jack Ookson and uh, Ken Nichols and Craig Briggs and uh, ironically got an opportunity to uh, sit in the suite with Mr. Wirtz at some point uh, during uh, the evening But I I had the jersey on, and the orders were warming up. And Jared Stoll, as you know, is very good friends with Brad Tuchuk. And I I got about 15 rows above the ice and turned around so that uh, Stoll could see the jersey. (laughs) Yeah. And he broke out. How? Because he sees this U of A jersey in the stands and sees that it's his buddy Brad Tuchuk. And it was, uh, they they had a pretty good, I know he had a pretty good chuckle afterwards. And he figured out it was me a little bit later on. But uh, so I have that one. Uh, George LaRocque gave me a Pittsburgh Penguins uh, signed uh, LaRocque jersey. It's sitting in the house. And then there's an old one from the Southside Athletic Club that no longer fits. In fact, it hasn't fit for about, as you could attest to, probably for about 35 years. So
1: so you stole uh, that one after you got cut from the team? Is that what you're saying?
2: Exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, my centerman off of that team, Guy Gadowski, as you know, is coaching Penn State. And they are playing defending national champion Denver. Todd McClellan's son, Team Tyson, plays for Denver. Mm-hmm. And Henrik Borgstrom is likely to win the Hobie Baker Award. Dale Talon drafted him, and he is a heck of a prospect. So I think we've touched on a bunch of things. But speaking of Brad Tuchek, we should do this while we have the opportunity right now, Spec. Yep. Uh, We both went to the U of A. Neither of us finished our degrees. That's how guys were back 20, 25 years ago. I think we both still care a lot about that school. And to win in the Atlantic is never easy. And Serge Lerjois' group did it, and they showed tremendous resiliency.
1: Well, particularly down, I believe they were down 2-0 in uh, both the semifinal and the final. Uh, Fought back, scored four consecutive in the final uh, against uh, FX, and, you know, just showed to me, I watched both the semi and the final. Uh, That, to me, was Golden Bears hockey. You know, they got a couple bad breaks happened to them. They didn't panic. Right, they played the way the Bears play—a relentless pressure. We've been to, we've watched them bob in nationals where the relentless pressure never quite gets rewarded. They've run into some hot goalies, but in this occasion, uh, they just came at Saskatchewan and they came at FX, and eventually the other goalie gets dented, right? And eventually the Golden Bears come through a 16th national championship. Uh, I think we should pay homage to uh, Claire Drake and Billy Moores at this time they're the ones that that really set the template many, many years ago. A torch that's been passed along to a lot of good men, a lot of community leaders in our city who've put that jersey on and I know you know all those guys, the Jeff Hellens and the Dave Ottos, and there 's a hundred of them out there were sitting in their couch watching that game on Sunday, and they were proud of that Golden Bear jersey that was uh, winning another national title for sure.
2: Well, it's tough to create a winning culture. And, uh, and they got one. Uh, and they have one. And the thing that struck me was the resiliency. And I know I, wa- I wasn't able to watch the game against Saskatchewan uh, online because, uh, frankly, I was broadcasting the Oilers game against Florida. But I had lots of friends text me updates, and I appreciate that. Um, but I did watch the game Sunday. And when the Bears were down 2-0, uh, Sportsnet uh, went to a bench interview with Serge Lajoie. And there was no panic in his voice. He said, "Actually, I like how we're playing. We've had a couple of bad bounces. One of them ended up in their net, and they scored on the power play. Uh, we're going to be okay here. We're going to keep working, and I, I like how we're playing. I, you know, we're going to be okay." And mm-hmm. they scored two goals back in the next two minutes. Yep. And I just, uh, I tell you right now, if I was a Western Hockey League general manager or Western Hockey League owner, if I had watched that, I'd be thinking to myself, "That's the guy I want because." He obviously, and to be frank with you, Mark, I didn't necessarily think Alberta was going to win this year. Uh, I, I, you know, they got really good players relative to that level. There's no question. Stan Marple's done a tremendous job recruiting. Like they're getting, they're back to getting virtually all the best kids out of the West. But you still got to go out there where you're the big bat. They're the New York Yankees of of U Sports hockey, and those Atlantic schools hate them. And those, you know, they play that little, we're the little team from Fredericton. <laughs> I mean, it's all BS because they well. sit there and pump lots of money. Because uh, as you know, uh, for post-secondary institutions, it comes out of provincial coffers. And there's no shortage of cash for them to have competitive teams out there. But it's still hard to win there. So I think a tremendous accomplishment. Like, well. I, I frankly surprised
1: well in the end you know you can have all that external external stuff and funding and chest pounding and all those things bob but look at it big picture eventually you got to drop the puck and two hockey teams play and over the big picture over the course of time the golden bears win more than they lose out there no matter where they hold this thing they got the most national championships they have owned canada west since you and i were born uh, it's not up to them to lick their fo- take their foot off the gas, Bob. It's up to everybody else to catch up. And, and as an Edmontonian and a, and a guy that's a hockey man in this city, uh, I'll tell you what, you got to be proud to have that club representing your town because they do everything right.
2: All right. Well, when we come back, uh, we're gonna, this show's called Oilers now. We're going to talk a bit about culture. Have the Oilers lost some this year? A lot of people think, well, no, last year was the aberration.
0: Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca.
2: This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back everybody. Bob Stoffer with you at 12:53 in Edmonton. Uh, we do want to tell you Great hockey road trip coming up this fall. Limited spots. This uh, trip's starting to get sold out already. Sweden and Germany. The Oilers now. New West Travel Roadie to Europe in October. Again, limited uh, places available on this trip. So book now. Your New West package includes flights, hotels, game tickets, and welcome receptions. They might even let Mark Spector go. Uh, visit newwesttravel.com on that one. And unfortunately, Mark, we have to uh, pass along some sad news uh, involving Edmonton's opponent next, the uh, Ottawa Senators. It is now official uh, regarding what has uh, transpired with Eric Carlson, and perhaps you can shed some more light on that.
1: Yeah, the Ottawa Senators have uh, just issued a press release very recently. Um, Quote, the collective thoughts and prayers of the Ottawa Senators organization, the city of Ottawa, and the entire hockey community rest with Eric and Melinda Carlson, following the loss of their son. Uh, I believe their son was uh, just an infant, Bob, uh, passed away uh, today or yesterday, but it's been announced in Ottawa and just a real tragedy. Anyone who has kids, you know, it puts it into perspective. We're worried about injuries and who's on whose line and something like that comes out and kind of changes your train of thought.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it just... One day after the, uh, what is it, Melnick out uh, campaign started in Ottawa, and uh, the team's got to deal with a personal tragedy of their best player, he's had a difficult last calendar year from, uh, you know, from an ankle injury. I thought he put something just out on Instagram, like, in the last six weeks involving his son as well. It's very sad. So, tough story there. It's uh, almost, uh, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, It's the only really way to to say it all right well uh you know and and, and that's a buy bi- and that is you know mark there are certain things that happen in people's lives and in players lives and when we're sitting here evaluating guys and you and me have had these conversations privately before and how how much are you supposed to know um and maybe sometimes you should know and uh, we knew something was up today because of a cryptic comment from uh Guy boucher when he said it's not uh injury related um Uh, And and then that obviously had some people's alarm bells going on that there was a personal challenge. And that is part of the game. And and teams, you know, it's a hard part to gauge, isn't it? Uh, And and it does transcend sort of the day-to-day minutiae of what we do.
1: And, and, you know, as a journalist, it's my job to be nosy and ask all the questions and and find out all the things. And, And sometimes you find out and you realize... You feel guilty for having pushed so hard, right? You feel once you find out what the news is, you think, "Oh boy," uh, you know. I apologize for having been that guy. Uh, other times, it's something like Pontus Aberg, where they're not telling you the news because they don't feel like telling you the news. Sometimes it's it's Adam Larson, uh, you know, who had a tragic occurrence of his own when his father passed away here in Edmonton. So, and all of a sudden, the player's missing from the team, and we're all going, "Well, what's going on? Where's the player? Where's the player?" Well, you know, sometimes you don't like the answer you find, right?
2: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it can be a very sad state of affairs. All right, it's 1257 in Edmonton, and we're going to head it off to a global news weather traffic update. Stop for Inspector 4, Horse Racing Alberta Live Racing at Northlands Park, uh, and that starts for thoroughbreds on May the 5th. When we come back, we'll get into our conversation about creating winning culture. This is orders Now.